0: Hello and welcome to the World Fellows podcast. My name is Emma Skye and I'm director of the World Fellows program at Yale. My guest today is Rama Rajaswari, a district police chief from India. Rama, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Emma. So, Rama, when you were a young girl growing up in Kerala in India, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Well, I grew up in this beautiful hill station called Monar, and I had the privilege of being raised by an amazing grandmother. And she had this incredible faith in me. She was a very, very strong woman. She was not educated, but she taught me to dream big. And I started dreaming big when I was barely four. So at that point in time, I think entering the elite civil services was my biggest dream. And I ended up, being a member of the bureaucracy, and she is the happiest now. So probably that was the beginning.
0: But why the police? When you were a little girl, you thought, okay, I want to join the Indian Civil Service. There are lots of different branches. What made you join the police?
1: Well, uh, the Indian Police Service is still part of the Indian Civil Service, and civil service offers 28 different services. So in 2008, when I had to choose between the administrative service and the police service, I went up to my mentor, Mr. Matthews, and he was like, look, Rema, if you really want to use your power and integrity to change lives, you better start wearing the uniform. And that was probably the biggest turning point in my life. And when I look back today, that was the best decision in my life. So it was not part of the plan, but it was a conscious decision to join the police service.
0: So when you turned up for training to join the police, were there many other women?
1: Well, we were 18 in a class of uh, 112. Um, It was a small group and some of them decided to leave the police service and join the administrative and revenue service. Uh, And uh, we were 14. So it was a small group. (laughs) And what was the training like? Well, the training uh, went on for about 28 months. It's probably the longest training. And uh, it was tough because it has both uh, physical activities and also we study a lot. So we had close to 30 subjects. So we literally had to study the law, the politics, and the current affairs. It was tough, but it was fun.
0: So your first job was in an elite special force, the Greyhounds? Yes. You're an
1: assault commander? Yes. What on earth did that entail? Well, um, I was working in the state of Andhra Pradesh, and that was my first job. Um, and the state was fighting the left-wing extremists uh, who were supported by the Communist Party of India, Maoists, and waging a war against the state. And my job was to plan the operations in the jungles, in Andhra Warissa border and lead my teams. So it was pretty much jungle operations and using the tactics to fight them. Uh, but it was interesting because I was the only woman in the team and that was a lot of fun. A great learning experience for me because that gave me a lot of insight into the women who were secu- uh, serving in security forces.
0: So share with us some of those insights.
1: Well, um, that was the first time I realized that the ratio is quite skewed. If you look at the number of women who are serving in law enforcement in India, of the total um, of close to 17 million police force, we represent barely 7.10%. And that's not even half. Um, From that point on... Onwards, I started using my power and my position to champion for this cause. And because the representation is very limited, if you look at the policies and uh, the career opportunities and professional avenues for women, it's not really good. So that was the beginning of my understanding of how women should be part of the security forces and how important it is, not only in terms of the um, conflict situations where you really need to have women in forces to take care of the women victims because that's the only narrative you get to see in the security forces. We need to have a woman in the team uh, because after the conflict is over, you need to deal with the, uh, the victims there. It's not just that. Women are equally professionally and mentally, physically, they are competent and capable of dealing with any conflict situation. So we are, a group of us came together and we are working on that.
0: So tell me about, you know, your work and the initiatives that you've been involved in that champion the rights of not only women, but also children.
1: This is something very close to my heart. Um, And if you look at the number of crimes which are reported against women and children, it's enormous. And if you look at the data of the unreported crime, it is even more bigger. So when I started working in the rural uh, districts in the state of Telangana, I started this campaign called Community Outreach. And we started identifying social issues. And I was really shocked to see that a uh, district which is barely two hours from the capital, a cosmopolitan city, as is having issues of child marriages and having issues of ritual sex slavery, child laborers, all sorts of crime against women and children, child sexual abuse, which is the worst kept secret. No one wants to talk about it. So we started a few uh, campaigns with the help of civil society organizations and departments uh, from the government Uh, The most important campaign I ran was called Saving Child Brides. So we reached out to the community, took the help of the community and the interested stakeholders, started identifying the villages where this issue was rampant, and we came up with a lot of innovative models. I call them the social innovation models models to uh, reach out to the community. That was one. And number two was uh, working with a group of women called joginis. Joginis are basically uh, loosely translated as God's wives. So women are dedicated to temple, and then they end up serving in the temple, sexually exploited by the community. The system was supposed to be uh, over many, many years ago. Uh, The law abolished it in 1988 but you still find the practice in some of the villages. So we formed a group from with the help of the women who were rescued, the Jogini women who were rescued, and we started giving them occasional training and rehabilitated them. And the third ca- uh, campaign was on child sexual abuse. I call it Balianiki Raksha, for safety of children. So we used to walk around rural villages carrying the projectors on our heads, reaching out to the community, conducting awareness sessions for the children on good touch and bad touch and giving them the voice and the strength to speak up. Because when a child is abused, the society is never standing by the child. The child is not allowed to speak out against the abuse because invariably the abuser is somebody who is very close to the child. Sometimes it's the uncle or sometimes it's even the father. So we were teaching these children about child sexual abuse and how they should seek legal help when they are being abused. And then traffic campaigns, Uh, I initiated a novel method of including a forestation drive with traffic enforcement. So when we started apprehending minor violators, minor traffic violators, we also requested them to join us in the plantation drive. So this was really appreciated by the community because it was instilling some sense of community in them and they had to come back to the community centers to take care of the saplings. And um, and then I was also working with the senior citizens in India because the, if you look at the institutional mechanism for the vulnerable sections, including the senior citizens, it's not so great. So we were telling them about their rights. And the last campaign was on legal literacy for women, uh, especially the women who are living in in remote areas, who don't have access to the system. Even if they do, they don't have the courage or they don't have the support of the community to take legal help. So we used to go around the community telling them about the laws and giving them phone numbers, giving them direct access to me. And this is, this was really um, a great learning for me because this was really shocking to see that how many of them are not aware of the systems in place. Um, yeah. That's about it. (laughs) Well, that's quite a lot. (laughs) What are the greatest challenges
0: you've faced?
1: Well, um, a lot, but um, I think fighting mindset in a man's domain is the greatest challenge because law enforcement is predominantly male-dominated and then comes the social expectations. So defying social expectations was next. Um, because a woman is supposed to behave in a certain manner and aggressive and hard-charging, ambitious women are not really taken quite nicely because you definitely defy the socially uh, defined rules. So this was uh, another challenge and building a support network within the law enforcement community was another challenge because if you really want to champion the cause of having more women in the security forces, you need to get the women to agree to the point. Mm -hmm. They need to come together. And unfortunately, it so happens that women are so critical about other women. So getting them together to create a conversation, a national conversation around this issue was a challenge. So I used writing. I write. So I, I call it my own way of microaggression. So I started writing to send a subtle message into the community that we need more women because we need the force to be representative of the population it serves so more than half of the population are women but if you look at the number it's it's limited so this was and um, and then balancing your personal and professional life is always a challenge
0: <laughs> well you're a real trailblazer what's next for you
1: well, um, I use my time in the campus to uh, to reflect on what I have done so far and what I want to do next. Um, I have realized that it is very important for me to stay connected to the academic community because if I look at the scholarly disposition on police, it's very limited. The resources which are available, that is probably another reason why the public perception of law enforcement is not so great so i want to stay connected to the community so that i can contribute to the research and the academic work to build a positive narrative about the work law enforcement is doing that's number one and number two is i do have some book projects so uh, they are still in the initial stages i'm still working on them and i made a lot of friends in campus A lot of friends. So I'm discussing uh, my ideas to use the digital platform to come up, to work on the social innovation models I've been working on um, to uh, improve the campaigns that I'm already doing, to reach out to more number of people. And the last thing I have uh, in my bucket list is to um, uh, do a lot of talks and use the digital platform again um, to get more women to feel positive about joining the service. That's one. And then, of course, travel, because I made a lot of friends across the world now, so I really need to travel and see the world and refine my understanding of law enforcement and the social issues around the world.
0: Well, Ram, it's been great having you at Yale, and we wish you all the best for the future. Thank Thank you you very much.
1: This was really great. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you.